you good? <laughs> kind of sounds like a gunshot coming across here, doesn't it? <laughs> Genesis 22, starting at verse 11. Before we do that, let's uh, go to our great God in prayer. Father God, Lord, we draw nigh to you again. Lord, we thank you that we have the freedom to meet and to hear your word. Lord, we pray that you would, uh, you would bless this reading this morning. Lord, and I pray that uh, as we open your word and, and the sermon that was provided for us, Lord, we pray that you would, uh, you would help us, Lord, that we would be uh, enlightened by these words and that we may grow closer to you and to each other through them. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Genesis 22, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. I am way off where I'm supposed to be here. That sounds better. <laughs> Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the, to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance and said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Abram took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abram replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abram answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abram built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. 
The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abram returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abram stayed in Beersheba. So far the word of our Lord. Our message this morning was prepared by Reverend Ray Vanderkoy. Tests. Those of you in school are well aware of that word and the whole mix of emotions it can stir up inside of us. But tests aren't limited to school. Also, for, uh, there's driving tests, and mostly for the youth as well. But also, when some reach older age, there, there are tests when we apply for a job. Tests jump up here and there all through life. We tend to have an aversion to tests. They cause stress in our lives. There's always a possibility of succeeding or passing or of failing. If there isn't, it's not a test. It's a game, and nothing of significance rides on it. Tests have significance and cause stress because they have consequences. You can pass or fail. All our tests, no matter what their potential consequences, pale in comparison to God's test of Abraham. Do you notice that in the few words of our text, this whole account is called a test? God is testing Abraham a very horrible and repulsive test to our sensibilities. Even just imagining God commending human sacrifice. Beyond the being horrible and repulsive to us, 20 anyway, this test may be awkward and disturbing for another reason, because this test suggests, and not just subtly, that God did not know something and then became aware of it. This may be awkward and disturbing to some of our images and our understanding of God, but is something that this test faces us with. In verse 1, it says that God tested Abraham. In verse 12, after Abraham has passed the test, God says, now I know. There is definitely a flow of something God doesn't know to something he does know. If God can't know something and then become aware of it, all you have left here is a game with Abraham as a pawn. This is not a game God is playing. This is a matter of life and death. And not only of human life and death, but life and death of promises, God's promises. And it's an absolutely staggering test, an astounding demand and command that he must offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God. 
Isaac. Miraculously born in Abram's old age, the son of promise, the son through whom God's promise to Abram were to be were to begin to be fulfilled. The promise that all nations would be blessed through Abraham and that his descendants would number like the stars in the sky and like the sand on the seashore. Abram is asked, no, he's commanded to destroy the last hope he has for fulfilling God's promises. He is commanded to sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering on the mountain region of Moriah. For three days, Abram and Isaac and his servants journeyed to this region. Three days to sweat it out. Intense, agonizing, diversion, stress. Then the servants are left behind. Abram loads the wood for the sacrifice on Isaac, and together they continue up the mountain. Then comes the critical moment of the test. Long before the knife is lifted, Isaac says, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? A question that cuts deep into Abraham's heart. His response marks the pivotal point of this test. God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Abram Abram believes that his lamb may be Isaac his son. He doesn't know about the ram like we do. He has an unwavering trust that God will provide, that he will somehow make a way for his promises to be fulfilled. He doesn't know the details of the outcome, but he trusts the certainty and the faithfulness of God and is open to the details. Abraham's trust that God will provide, doesn't for a moment, though, reduce his agony. Agony grips his every step up the mountain. At the altar he and Isaac build together, Abram tells Isaac that he will be the sacrificial lamb. Trust amazingly continues to mark the test. Against all human desires and even common sense, as Isaac is bound to the altar, And Abram picks up a knife to plunge it into the son he loves. An angel of the Lord intervenes. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And God provides a ram to sacrifice instead of Isaac. The promises will continue through Abraham and Isaac. Abraham passes a test. Why exactly God tests Abraham, we don't know precisely. Why God provides a substitute, we don't know precisely. But we do know what stands between these two unknowns of the test and the provision because it comes from our side, the human side. It's the deepest mystery of human faith. God himself will provide. In the face of the test, Abram trusts that God will provide. Abraham is a Psalm 37, verse 5 man. Commit your ways to the Lord. 
Trust in him, and he will act. Between the test and the provision stands trust. Against all common sense, human desires, lifelong ambitions, stand unqualified trust that God provides. Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. Not in the past tense, nor in the present tense, but in the future tense, the Lord will provide. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided, became a motto, a saying in Israel. Again and again, Israel literally experiences the Lord providing on a mountain. On Mount Sinai with Moses, Mount Carmel with Elijah, Mount Zion with the worshiping pilgrims, Mount Calvary where we stand at the foot of the cross. In the view from Mount Moriah, no other mountains of provision stand so starkly and clearly as Calvary. The most distant in time, but the closest in proximity or geography. You see, Mount Moriah may have been the very same place as Mount Calvary or very near it. And the provision on Mount Moriah, we see a view of the provision of Mount Calvary. Jesus, the one and only dearly loved Son of God, carries the wood for his sacrifice, the cross on his back. Like the ram, the thicket of horns is twisted together and thrust on his head, and he is tied and nailed to the altar of the cross as a substitute sacrificial death. Jesus' death on the cross on Mount Calvary brings its own test to us. That Jesus died on the cross is the undisputed fact of history. The significance of Jesus' death on Mount Calvary is a promise. And standing between that promise and its provision is faith that trusts. How do we know our sins are taken away and are covered by Christ's death? How do we know that we will live eternally because Christ took the death penalty we deserved? These are promises. And our own certain human death, our coming face to face with our own mortality, tests our trust that God will provide, that he will be faithful to his promises. Because we will not know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the provision has actually been made for us until after we die. Between now and then, even between Christ's death and our death, stands faith that trusts. As the writer of Hebrews says it, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Again, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The testing of our faith drives us to find out whether we mean what we say about our faith being grounded solely in the gospel or if we're hedging our bets just in case the provision really isn't there from the gospel message. It's the faith challenge of Mark 8.35. Whoever would save his life would lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. 
God tests. And he's the one and only God. And he insists on undivided loyalty. He doesn't tolerate hedging bets. In case the provision isn't really there. God is looking for totally devoted followers. God tests to identify his people. To discern who's serious about faith. And to know in whose life he is fully God. To know through whom his promises to bless the world, his mission to demonstrate his love to the world, can be fulfilled. He's testing to know who trusts that their sins are forgiven in Jesus' death and who trusts that they have eternal life and who therefore don't try to wring everything out of this life. Testing to find those who don't turn, turn to luck and to lotteries, to the rat race, to entertaining escapes. Testing to find people who don't hedge and hoard their money, but instead give the first part back to God. Trusting that God will provide for every need. Testing to find people who follow him, surrender to him, rest in him. People who trust that God can bring good even out of heart-wrenching, agonizing experiences of life. Our testing ground of discipleship is how we respond to the pressures of life and society. How much weight we give to our desires and lifelong ambitions and even to so-called common sense over against how we respond to the promises of God and trust His provision. Between the tests and provision stood Abraham's unshakable trust in God's promises and that he would provide. He looked up and he saw a ram, the substitute. Between our test and God's provision, we are called to trust God's promises. His promises of forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus' death. And that no matter what, he will provide Look up and see the Lamb, the substitute, the Lamb of Mount Calvary, Savior divine, who died for our sins so that you too can live eternally. On the mountain of the Lord, he will provide. The deepest mystery of human faith, unqualified to trust. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. Are you a Psalm 37.5 person? Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. God tests. God provides. Do you trust God? Do you stand between His promises and His provision? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we... We come to you, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this message that was prepared for us. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder of whole, complete trust in you. And many of us, we question what we know in our head and what we know in our heart. And Lord, we pray that you would be with each one of us, Lord, as we wrestle through life.
And Lord, as we recognize that you, you are the only truly trustworthy one. And as we live in this day and age where our faith is challenged, is tested, Lord, we pray that you would give us a faith that stands through those trials. And Lord, that we would be the light in this community to tell others where true faith, where true trust lies. We ask these things in your name. Amen. of response is speak O Lord and we will uh, please stand for the singing of the song